Welcome to The Naked Truth, real talk about West Coast Swing. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And today we have a very special guest, a very good friend, a legend. She's a country hall of famer, a World Swing Dance Council hall of famer, a California Swing Dance Hall of Famer. She's the only person to win classic, showcase, superstar, and showtime invitational. She's a second place Hustle World Champion, winner of Hustle USA and Hustle Mania. And she's been on Broadway, film, and has done television. Please welcome the lovely Lorene Baldovi. <laughs> Hi, you guys. Hi. <laughs> it's so exciting to have you here. So I'm going to ask you the first question. And the first question will be, is the first question we ask everyone, which is, what's your West Coast swing origin and how did you get into West Coast? Oh, my goodness. This started way back in the day of the country bar called the Saddle Rack in San Jose back in oh 1989 my Which is still older sister yeah actually it's not in San Jose it's in Fremont now no but it's still there but it's, it's still alive. yeah yeah not quite the same feel not the same vibe but it's still there right. uh, my older sister Cheryl was the one who was doing west coast and country two step and a friend of hers was trying to teach me west coast swing like in the back of the bar and the next day, he took me to a workshop, some local instructor's workshop, and it was an intermediate class. <laughs> Every time he was trying to teach me West Coast Swing, he's like, do a triple step or anchor. And I'm like, what the heck? What are you talking about? You're speaking Greek to me. I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> so he sticks me in this class. And then... They rotate the leaders, and I thought, oh, my God, this is just hell. <laughs> so the worst was looking at these leaders' faces and having them switch off coming to me and rolling their eyes at me because I couldn't even do a basic properly. I didn't belong in that class. Like I said, I didn't know what I was getting involved in, but that was kind of my introduction to West Coast Swing. <laughs> It was awful. I had an awful experience that night. Did you not fall in love with it the first time? Not the first time. Not when I had that kind of reaction with the, the leaders coming at me. And I didn't know how to do a triple step. I didn't know how to do an anchor. I didn't know what a sugar push was. I remember, I forget what year it was, but I went to watch my sister compete in country. And it was in Reno. And I decided, oh, I'm going to go take a workshop, a West Coast Swing workshop. And by then, I'd already kind of started doing more West Coast Swing, right, just for fun. And I did have a good time in it. And I went to take a buddy swimmer's class. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he had everybody split up, all the leaders on one side, all the followers on the other. So he says, followers, go ahead and do a whip. And I'm thinking, oh, crap, what's a whip? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking left. I'm looking right. Kind of following all the other work girls and they did their whole walk walk triple walk walk triple and I was the only dummy out there in the middle of the of the class because I didn't do my walk my second walk walk triple back to the rest of the line of course buddy made fun of me <laughs> but it was just hilarious it was just the beginnings of my west coast wing fun <laughs> after you took that class though that you there are people on the floor dancing right the West Coast mm -hmm. Swing, yes or no? Yes. So did you like it after you saw it, even though you didn't know I, what you were doing? I did, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. Like that class seemed seemed like it turned you off, and yet what what was it that made you 
keep going back? I kept going back because my sister and her friends were there. And I started to meet and make friends with my sister's friends um, and dancing to a live band pretty much every night and every weekend at the Saddle Rack. On the weekends, they would take turns for on the, uh, on the hour. So you would go and dance to live music, do country two-step, and do West Coast swing. And that's what hooked me. I would... I had a normal job and normal 8.30 to 5.30 job Monday through Friday. So when the bar was open on Tuesday, I would come home from work, eat dinner, take a nap, get ready, and then go out dancing until about 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning, and then go to work and do it all over again the next day. So that was my life for a lot of years from from Tuesdays to Saturdays when the bar was open. So just dancing with my friends, my sister, meeting all kinds of new people, dancing and finally understanding West Coast Swing and just having a just having a lot of fun with it. So that was kind of my start. I feel like a lot of us have that experience where we start in a bar because I had the same experience like you did, Lorraine. I started at Denim and Diamonds. Yeah. But just as a but just as a, you know, patron. And then right. and then I became uh someone that would go there seven days a week and then I became someone that was there seven days a week and worked there and then someone that was seven days a week that worked and danced there and hung out there and, and I actually lived there and that's how I yeah. fell into it. So you, you fell in the same way. Yeah, I was used to I used to call Salarak my second home. Yeah. And that's how I made my longtime friends, friends that I haven't seen in probably fifteen years. I just saw somebody um in October and just we went over history of oh remember we used to dance to this song when the band played and we used to double time two-step and just a lot of fun or if somebody would come up from LA area they would tag team the girls to they would dance west coast swing to born to boogie and of course we called this advanced fans advanced man's footwork when the guys would just stand there and toss you back and forth across the slot, back and forth and back and forth. And then they would tag each other out and the girl would still be in going back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> it was so funny. Fun, exhausting, but just it was it was great times. Mm-hmm. Who or what influenced you most as a West Coast swing dancer, especially in those early days? Well, in the early days I didn't really know about competition until 1992 after I got into competition and realized, well, there's swing competition. Then I started looking at the top notch dancers and there's one of them was Maria. I'm sorry. One of them was Maria Nunez because of her incredible footwork and her um, ability of syncopation and like layering that on top of what she was hearing in the music and made it match to the music, which was amazing. And the other person was Charlotte Bott, uh, her incredible leg action and just sexy as can be sexy legs. And there is another person who also crossed over from country into swing, who was Don Garish. At the time she was Don Blorstad. She and Barry Duran competed at the U S open and her, even in country, I loved her performance aspect. And I thought, that's just unbelievable. There's this person out there just getting into the performance. I thought, I can learn from this person and this person and this person. If I could just wrap that all up into one one person, I want to be that person. <laughs> yeah. Did you seek them out to study with them? 
Um, no, because I was like, oh my God, it's Marianne. I don't dare want, I don't, I didn't want to talk to her. I was so nervous around her. And, you know, the weird thing is I still kind of get nervous around Charlotte. Do you? <laughs> yeah. I just feel like I never know what to say to her. Cause I think I'm still that like little kid, like, oh my God, there's Charlotte Watt. <laughs> it's so silly. But yeah, no, I just, I always. I think I was just a little gun shy because I was so new to the West Coast swing world. And even in the country world, I was still kind of new to it. It was, I didn't even know that stuff existed. And then all of a sudden I stepped into it and it was just, it was just a huge platform. Just, it was very overwhelming, I should say. So who did you learn from and study with that really had an impact on you? Um, gosh. Like I said, it's been a lot of people, well, a lot of coaching um, later on in years when Robert and I were competing together. A lot of it was from Jeffrey Lynn. Uh, she used to own a ballroom studio called California Dance Center in San Jose. And then another main coach, his name was Tom Slater. He was our movement coach. So he taught us about speed. Um, light and shade. And then we had a lot of ballroom coaches like Tommy Newby, uh, come in and work on our country waltzes and cha-chas and Elizabeth Cullip. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few other people, but the main chunk was Tom Slater at that one point in time. So you said that you started West Coast, you got introduced around 1989. It wasn't until 92 ish that you discovered competition. So then the question becomes, how did you get partnered with Robert? How did that happen? Oh, okay. So Robert <clears throat> and I were a couple. We started dating back in 1991 and he already had a dance partner uh, in country. So I never wa- even wanted to touch that. She ended up getting engaged, moving away. And at one point in time, Robert and I went to a friend's wedding so during the reception, the DJ played the Jive Bunny remix of In the Mood. You know that song? Yeah. Such a fun, high energy song, and it's fast. So we go out there and dance and just had so much fun. That's one of those other songs that um, I get lost in and just nobody else exists on the floor but me and me and Robert at the time, right? So. He walked me back to the seat, to the table, and I didn't find this out until later. His country coach pulled him outside and said to him, if you want to dance and you want to win, you're, you're going to have to dance with her. And like I said, I didn't know about this until much, much later. And his concern was, I don't want to dance with my girlfriend because that might cause some problems. And I would have to say, I, I agree with that, you know, and then he finally asked, what, what, what? He said, doesn't want me to dance with my girlfriend. I don't want to dance with my girlfriend. So you, you skipped a part. How'd you become boyfriend and girlfriend? So I, okay. So I met yes. him on a dance team, this country dance team called Reflections of Dance out of a studio called Reflections of Dance. And that's when I met a few other key people who I used to compete against afterwards. And I remember 
on the team, there were um, partner switches. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to myself, oh, here comes Robert. Oh, my God, I think he's so cute. He's so adorable. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's how, how well, we that's kind of met. To know, because you, because you mentioned, you know, you shouldn't dance with, I don't want to dance with my boyfriend or girlfriend. So it's, so you knew each other first and then became dance partners and then became dance partners. We actually were dating first. Okay. And then we became dance partners. So he asked me to be his dance partner after he talked it over with his coach. And then I also was concerned about the whole, well, wait, we're dating. And you want me to be your dance partner? What happens if this affects our dating relationship? I didn't want it to affect that. So, um, I'm not, I don't recall how we got past that, but we ended up partnering and we started choreography in 1992. And our first competition was at Easterns in, um, on the East Coast in the beginning of May of 92, which wasn't a lot of time preparing for anything. Mm-hmm. It's always last minute like that, I guess. Right. And, um, yeah, that was our first competition was the beginning of May, um, on the East coast was all, I felt like I had really big shoes to fill. So I was quite nervous mm-hmm. because he and his previous dance partner were at the top of their game when she left. So mm-hmm. I felt a lot of pressure. Being- How is it working together being a, being romantically involved and also having to do, you know, a dance partnership. At the time, it wasn't that bad. It was pretty, it was pretty good. I know that we got really frustrated because our whole first year, oh, we were getting our butts kicked all over the place, you know, by this one couple, like Tony and Yvonne Gooch. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were up there with targets on their backs. So we were, okay, we got to get in there. We need to up our performance, up our technique up our choreography, you know, just trying to keep plugging away. And, um, I don't recall us having a whole lot of issues. It wasn't until later, much later in our partnership is when we started in the relationship is when we started having some issues. But in when the you say issues, right. You mean, you mean issues in the dance partnership issues in the romantic part of it or issues on both. Uh, I'm only asking this cause I'm asking from experience. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've been there. Yes, I know. And I think it's important for people to hear it. Uh, we were having issues in the relationship, not the okay. dance partnership, the relationship. Right. Okay. Yeah. And what do you think made you guys so successful? And how did you approach your routines and stay on top for so long? What did you do? I think Robert and I have this special chemistry. I think we've always had this special chemistry. And... I know I've said this before, when we get to dancing certain songs, even socially, just any other song, but especially songs that we deemed as our song. If a song plays, that's our song. We go dance to it. You just get lost in the song. You get lost in your partner. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the magic happens. And then everybody else disappears. There's nobody else around but the two of you. And I don't know, we just, there's that special connection and that chemistry that we've had, I think, since we started dancing socially together, even when we were only just a a couple, not a dance partners. Mm -hmm. But I think that's what kind of helped us over the years. And I think, I, I don't know about, I can't speak for Robert, but I still think there's that chemistry there. Of course there is. 
that's great connection with each other. Yeah, that doesn't go away when you're a really successful partnership and you're really good together and you have the ability to um, separate from each other romantically and separate from each other business-wise and you can still be friends. That means yeah. that you have a really good connection. So you yeah. guys do have that special um, connection. And, and I'm I sure Robert will attest to it as well. <laughs> and I yeah. actually think it's better now than it was in the past. Great. Yeah. We all grow up, we learn, we become yeah, bigger right. and better people. Right? Few words, we all grow up. <laughs> right. That's exactly, exactly right. So what was your approach to um, putting together your routines? Um, I mean, you guys had stellar routines and you were winning year after year <laughs> after year. Um so what was that like? What was it like to work on those routines and put them together for competition? Actually, I'll have to tell you a few stories because I don't know, Robert might kill me. He might not. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you should definitely tell us. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, because this is the naked truth. Real talk about Absolutely. what's supposed to be. <laughs> so he would get ideas, right? This is how great he is. He would get ideas and think, okay, I want to use this song, this song, this song, but how can I marry it all together? Like one of our first solo medleys going back to country was Reba McIntyre, Take It Back. It was also um, Trisha Yearwood. Um, uh, what song was it? You Look Like an Angel. It's an old Elvis song, Devil in Disguise. Mm. And so we're at the studio trying to figure out how to put it together and also with choreography. And I can't remember if it was, he was either in the shower <laughs> or he went to the bathroom. <laughs> so you do your best thinking. I mean, that's where he did his best <laughs> thinking. I'm telling you. So he would come out and go, I got it. I got it. I got it. We're going to do this, 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 and this. <laughs> He's going to kill oh me. <laughs> But it would come out so great because it was devil in disguise. We're going to do this polka and it's all about loving you. Then all of a sudden you're, you're this devil. Get away from me into take it back. Reba McIntyre's take it back. So he had this theme threaded throughout the entire routine, you know, so the country aspect of it was a little bit different because you could put together what you wanted for the solo medley. But with swing, with one routine, there really wasn't, um, a theme. You just kind of picked a, a song that spoke to you, that spoke the two, to the two of you, and you went at it. But yeah, everything was, I got it after he came out of the bathroom, out of the shower. <laughs> Would you have any input in the choreography of the routines? Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. would. I have some ideas of, okay, I kind of, I have this, this idea in my head but I'm not quite sure how to put it, but I know that I want it at this particular piece of the music. And I know that he always had stuff going on in his brain and what he wanted in other pieces of the music. So, so he, he would know how to bring your idea out for you. Absolutely. So he okay. would try to piece the two together or like, Oh, you know what? I, I didn't like the way this was. So he's like, he would try to come up with different, better and different ideas to, um, marry the two pieces together or maybe came up with a better idea. We always tried to think about not not to use the very first thing that came to your head, right? You always tried mm-hmm. to think of, okay, so that's the first thing that came to mind. So what else can we build off of that to make it bigger and better and give it more of a punch, more of a wow factor? 
to that. Okay. Um, you know, you've, you've just recently have come back on the circuit, right? And, yes. and Robert's been on the circuit for quite some time, right? Teaching and, um, emceeing, uh, so what is it about, what was, why, why was your choice to leave the swing community for a while? Choose and tell us about a little bit like what your, you know, choice and career was at the moment. And then what made you come back? And by the way, it's nice to have you back. Oh, thanks. <laughs> for a while after, um, after we did the Broadway show swing, mm-hmm. I had some injuries in my neck. I had a herniated disc and two bulging discs in my neck all in a row, like three mm-hmm. little ducklings mm-hmm. all in a row. Um, so I couldn't dance. I couldn't move. I had a really difficult time sleeping because of the pain and the numbness running down my arm into mm-hmm. my, my index finger. So because of that, I couldn't dance, couldn't work. And... I ended up going to a different place of work and that's how I got into retail hmm. and I started doing retail and because I needed to support myself. So I started doing full time, became assistant manager of retail stores and stuff. So it wasn't the ideal thing that I wanted to do, but it was something that I needed to do. Uh, it had that's to get why you have all those nice clothes. Uh, kind of, sort of. Yes. <laughs> you have a beautiful fashion full of, you know, plethora. Of stuff every weekend. You always dress beautifully. I try. I try. But, you know, it's uh, that in itself is work. You know, a lot of people think, oh, it doesn't take anything to do retail. It's it's a no brainer. But the fact that you're still in a customer service industry and having to deal with many, many different personalities, it's kind of like the dance world. Right. The dance world is great practice. (laughs) Yeah, I would I would have to uh, agree with that. Yeah, I'm curious, what was it like to step away having been at the top of the game? I mean, I know you had to because of injuries, but what was that like for you emotionally? Yeah, it was really hard. It was um, it was heartbreaking, almost. Because you know you're at the top of your game, you've been dancing on Broadway, and mm-hmm. one of your, your dreams come true, and then you have to step away from it. So it was very heartbreaking um just to kind of you kind of get down a little bit on yourself you know kind of go into a downward spiral of a little bit of depression but um you have to get yourself fixed what did you do to fix yourself physically um physical training um to get back into the show i had to do months of physical training i was out of the show for three months um, and not to mention, you know, the choices put to me were cortisone shots, surgery, and immediately surgery, no thank you. Cortisone shots, no thank you. So he said, all right, then this will take care of it. It'll heal. You just have to go in for physical therapy, but you can't do anything, any kind of exercise until this heals first and then go into physical therapy. So I couldn't even, I said, so I can get like, um, a floaty, get in the pool and kick across the pool just to keep in shape with my legs. And he threatened me. He says, do you want me to cut you open? I said, no, thank you. So I literally could not do anything for three months. And that was hard. Living in New York City, didn't have my family. The only friends I had were the people in the show. And they don't want you hanging around the the theater. 
So you basically got isolated and that's not fun either. That was, that was, that was tough to take. Mm-hmm. But, um, would you say that, um, you, that you, you need, you seeked out other type of help to help you get out of? Cause that's also an emotional thing that we're talking about. Physically, you did the right thing, right? You went to physical therapy and all that, right. but emotion, what were you doing for yourself emotionally I, to help I say, you? I don't, I don't think I did anything emotionally. Like, I don't think I sought out the therapy or anything like that. I didn't, I did go visit my family while I was out. Um, but, I I didn't do anything else. I was just so focused on waiting to get back into the show. And when that time hit, uh, when August hit, <laughs> it was time for me to come back in the show. Unfortunately, that was the time Robert was on vacation. So I had to get back into the show with understudies. And that was hard, too. So mm-hmm. I had to overcome that dancing with um, Broadway dancers and not necessarily swing dancers or mm-hmm. uh, country dancers or partner dancers. So... That was tough too. So, but it was just nice to get back into practicing and rehearsals. But yeah, to go back to your other question, Deborah, I, I don't think I sought out any kind of other help for the emotional aspect of it. When I say help, I don't necessarily mean like calling a therapist. I mean like picking up a phone and talking to a friend or, you know, um, yeah. you know, having some, someone to listen to you. You don't always have to go. To therapy, right. because what people, a lot of people don't understand is we who do this, this thing we call dance, uh, for a living, it's, it's part of our, it's part of who we are. Meaning, like, when we, we, we don't dance, we feel sad. If we can't, right? right? We, we right. want it to be our own choice. If I choose, I don't want to go out dancing today. That's my choice. But if that right. choice is taken away from me, then that becomes something emotional right and then there's months that pass you have said three months that you couldn't dance that's a lot it is and then being isolated from the show and not really hanging out with your friends because they're in the show doing it twice a day and you're not yeah so you didn't seek anyone out but yet you came through it i did i mean i did come through it and it was the light at the end of the tunnel knowing that i was getting better right and that I was able to, they finally, the doctor cleared me to get back into the show and back into rehearsals. So that, that in itself to get into the show and rehearsals was sort of therapy, I guess you yeah. call it. But yeah, it's just, um, to get back in there with eight shows a week. So I missed a good chunk of the show. I missed about three to four months of the show, unfortunately. So I missed a lot of, um, like the Tony Awards. I didn't get to dance mm-hmm. in the Tony Awards, mm-hmm. which was really hard to be there at the party afterwards and everybody got to get that experience and the other thing is they do put the show they film it and then they leave they put in the archives at lincoln center i didn't get to do that either so i i'm not the person that's in the show the understudy is and oddly enough the understudy is asian (laughs) so people could see it and go oh that's lorraine no that's not me (laughs) yeah People so yeah, I had to go through a lot of that stuff of missing out on, of, of those iconic moments. time frames. Yeah, moments. After the show was over, um, you didn't hop back in. Like you didn't, we sort of said this before, but you didn't pursue the same like career path as Robert did, right? You weren't doing right. the routines anymore. So what was preventing you from doing that? Or why didn't you jump in and well, pursue a career? After the show, 
I did come back um, with Ronnie De Benedetta as a partner back in 2001. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2001. Mm-hmm. And we had been dancing for a while since then. And um, when the and the show ended in 2001, it ended in January 2001. So we partnered up for that year, for that November of the U.S. Open. Um, so I didn't drop a lot of time in between that, but there was a time where I moved from New York to San Diego. And then for a while there, I stopped. I backed out of dancing. I just for a little bit, I didn't, I don't think I was gone for very long. Because then Ronnie and I would go back and forth. Okay. We're dancing the open this year. So we came back. I think I want to say like 2010-ish. I don't remember the timeline. Yeah, we'd always done. Ronnie was my showcase partner. <laughs> um, yeah, so I for a while I did disappear for a little bit and then came back in and then it wasn't steady until was it we didn't dance anymore. I think it was 2013 was I think the last time Ronnie and I danced together. Mm-hmm. And it just it what does that feel like? <sighs> Well, it was odd because the following year, you know, I missed out on dancing and showcase and I really missed being on the floor. And, um, you just, when you're not on the floor, you just, you feel like you're missing out on so much, like getting, it's called open season, right? September, mm-hmm. October is open season. <laughs> those mm-hmm. hard practices, those, um, hours of practicing, it's the eating right, staying in good shape. Um, but it was, it's hard when you're sitting out and watching your peers go out in the division that used to dance. And it's, it's tough. It's mentally tough and it's emotionally difficult to watch your friends go out there, but you want to support them. So that's why you're there. You go out, you support them as much as you can and you cheer for them and, and you cheer that they all do so well and that you cheer that you pray that nobody makes mistakes, right? Right. You just want them all to do good. But yeah, it is tough. It's tough to get out there and, and not dance. But then I started getting asked to judge later on in the year. So I had a different role with the Open now. Would you say that um, I, I re- recognizing that you had a health issue that forced you to be out of it, and now that that health issue has gotten under control, are you happy to be back? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> We've um, missed you. Well, I, I, you know, it, when it, there comes a point in time when you realize, wow, I can't just rest on my laurels. I can't just keep doing what I used to do and expect to make finals. There was a quite a number of years where I could not make finals in the champions division. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the luxury of working up from novice into champions. I just kind of got thrown into champions and have been stay and I've stayed there ever since. So mm-hmm. when you get to a point when you're on top and then you've got younger, stronger followers with more drive and probably more dedication. Um, and they start to beat you out of your spot. And it's, a, it became, um, a hard dose of reality. And I'll be honest with you, it sucked. I did not like that. So you either do something about it or you stop dancing I did, however, at one point in time said, all right, fine, then I won't compete anymore. 
I will start to judge. And that's how I started judging all over the circuit. Mm -hmm. And then after years of judging, I got that, I got that drive back and I said, I want to compete again. So I competed. And of course it took a while. It wasn't just jump back onto the floor, compete. Yay. I made finals. I wish it were that easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not. I still had to go back and work. I had to work on my craft, taking private taking intensives and training. And that's not easy. You know, it's you basically have to put your ego in a box and check it at the door. Um, one thing that I did, I want to say a year or two years ago, there's an event called Sweet Side of Swing up in um, Vancouver. Right. And I always saw these these women bringing in wonderful people as their mentor. They're the mentors and they brought in their mentees. And I always thought, well, that sucks. Why can't I be a mentee? I would love to be a mentee. So after me bitching about it to myself for a couple or three years, uh, one of my friends actually asked me and Brandy Guild, Mm -hmm. she said, I, I don't know how to ask you this. So I'm just going to come out and say it. And I said, what? And she said, would you ever be interested in being my mentee at Sweet Side of Swing next year? And I jumped up, immediately said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said, absolutely, my brain went, oh, what are you doing? That's terrible. You shouldn't be doing this. What about Why? your, exactly right, right? What about your reputation? What about this? What about that? And, and then in the, in the long run, I said, shut up. You know. That's not how you should come at this. You're going in for information. What kind of, what harm is all this information and knowledge going to do you? Absolutely none whatsoever. It's going to increase your knowledge. It's going to help better your own dancing. It's going to help better your own instruction. And that's how she was coming at it as was people already know you as a dancer. They've known you as a judge. They've in the past known that you've danced with Robert. They've known everything that you've done with Robert in country and swing. But what they don't know you is mm-hmm. you are also an instructor, right? teacher. And that's what her drive and her goal was in asking me to be her mentee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I stuck with my original excitement and went, yes, go for it. And I shut that, that voice up in my head. <laughs> I'm glad that you did. You know, we all have to recognize that it doesn't matter, you know, who we are. Um, we always have room for learning. That's what makes us, that's how champions stay champions because they continue, um, to learn. So there's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, I'm going to get some more information. I think that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I have a question because I, you know, know, we kind of have the same like journey a little bit. Yeah. Both had long partnerships both separated from partnerships, uh, but I stayed in the dance, right? Yes. But I left my partner. <clears throat> still danced, still did, did Jack and Jill. Um, partnered occasionally here and there with other people, right? Judged. Okay. Yes. Um, but I, I, like, I only miss dancing on the floor when I really want to perform with someone specific. Like, because I get to dance Jack and Jill and Strictly Swing, because to me that's still enjoying the dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you just recently got back 
into Jack and Jill's and Strictly Swings, right? Right. So how did do you feel like that satisfied you after that you left, you know, you and Ronnie stopped dancing and then you were judging and now you now you started to come back into dancing a little bit and now you're back in Strictly Swings and Jack and Jill's. Does that satisfy your soul? It does. <laughs> I'm not Question sure. I believe them for the most part. <clears throat> um, there's still like I do enjoy Jack and Jill's and I do enjoy Strictly's. Um and that's kind of like dipping your toe in the water, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is still a part of me that does still want to compete in the routine division. Okay. But possibly in different divisions, not necessarily classic or showcase. No, I but I think I think that's going to have to wait for a few years down the road. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yes, I Jack and Jill's are a lot of fun. I finally, after all these years, don't have that fear of, oh, my God, who am I going to draw and mm-hmm. be afraid to dance with, with some people in Jack and Jill's. I no longer have that fear. Um, I think I always put a lot of weight on I have to do well and I have to place. And mm. that was my first mistake was having to place. If you mm-hmm. go in expecting it or I have to make finals and then you don't make finals or you don't place or you're 12 out of 12 couples, that does a, that does a huge number on your, your ego. It does a number on your brain and, and you emotionally and but I don't, I don't do that anymore like I used to, which was, there's a, that's a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. You're more comfortable now doing Strictly Swings and Jack and Jill's? Like now you have fun? Like Absolutely. would you say that you have fun doing them? Can uh, you say that? I have fun doing Jack and Jill's. Yes! <laughs> she said it out loud. You should be having fun doing Jack and Jill's and Strictly Swings for the love. This is the whole point. This is the whole fun about our dance. Yeah. So you got a big smile on your face. I'm so glad that you have fun doing it now. Yay. <laughs> so what changed? Like what, what helped you get over the need to find all in place? I think a lot of it was, um, the training that I've been getting a lot in the last two years. Um, I know at one point in time at Phoenix a couple of years ago, I, I didn't make the invitational list in the champions division. And I'll be honest with you, that was a blow to the ego again. <laughs> so I said, all right, so this is where you got to step up to the plate. Get your ego, check it, put it in a box and check it at the door and dance in the all-star slash champions division. Mm-hmm. That's a huge risk because I could possibly not make finals. Right. But I danced it anyways, knowing that. And ended up making finals. And there's a lot of the, the leaders on that panel that I have never danced with. So I saw the list. I recruited one of my friends to help me, who was also an all-star who made finals. And I said, you need to help me find these people so that I can dance with them tonight before the contest tomorrow. So bottom line is I did my homework. I mm-hmm. found every single one of those leaders danced with them for either the first time or second time or third time. And the next day sat up on that panel, looked over at the side of all the leaders and said to myself, I don't care who I draw. I had great dancers with 
all of those leaders out mm-hmm. there and had a great time. So I had no fear and no worry because before I never put the work in. So that's why there was a lot of fear. What did you say? Say that again. <laughs> I this time around I had no fear because I put the work in. Whereas because before, I would always have this fear of, oh my God, if I draw so and so, I don't. I've never danced with them before because I didn't do the homework. I didn't put in the work. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you to repeat that so people can hear that. Gotcha. It's important. Because we live, we have a little bit of a, you know, problem where there are certain people that think they don't have to work. We all have to work. We all have to do the work. No matter what level you are. I don't care if you're a champion dancer or you are a teacher of champions all the way down to novice. You have to put the work in. So now that you've been competing in the, you know, the Strictly Swings and the Jack and Jills, because now it's been a couple of years now, it's at least three years now that you've been doing this, right, Lorene? Um... What would you say, how do you feel about the dance? What do you think about it? What's changed? (laughs) (laughs) That was almost Jewish. You were like, (laughs) okay. Oh man. It's, um, it's gotten so physical. And I mean, if you look at the other girls in there who are in there, like, up and coming in their 20s and even some of the girls who are in their 30s and you look at their balletic background their jazz background even you with your jazz background and I think I don't have that background I can't do those things I can do some things but I don't necessarily have to do that but it has gotten very physical and sorry yes athletic 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 for the followers and I just feel like man my body um, I'm not as young as I used to be, and I'm not as young as these other girls are. I, I sometimes, if I make a final in champions, I look down the line and I sit there and I say, I'm the oldest follower up here. I look down the, the leaders and I say, I'm the oldest person up on this entire panel. <laughs> and it's not easy. You know, it's the body, the body's starting to break down and, and I have to, I just, I try to stay with it though. I, I try to still be competitive in my division. I may not place well. I may not even place top five, but I'd like to think that I am still very competitive in that division at my sure. age. Let's not, let's not use that at my age. Okay. Um, Where I am in my life. Because <laughs> I, I feel like that what, what's, what's so great about this dance is that there is no age limit. So when I, in my dance venue where I grew up, you know, after 22 or 23, you're, you're a has-been. Wow. You're done. But in this venue, you can go on for many, 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 many years, as long as you eat right, take care of yourself, and do the work. So right. let's not say at my age. Let's say at this I stage. Hope, yeah, I hope to still be dancing even... 20, 30 years from now in this dance. You will be dancing 20, 30 years from now. <laughs> Let's change to how we, how we approach the narrative. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So the Good. dance has gotten, and we've talked about this on this program, that the dance has gotten more athletic. And at the same time, there seems to be more athleticism, uh, 
and less quote unquote swing, right? We've talked about how right. swing content these days is questionable, <laughs> not always clearly defined. Um, one of the things that I've always loved about your dance learning is that you have a classic swing aesthetic. And by classic, I mean timeless. Like your dancing now is not that different from the way it was then, but not because it looks old, because it looks really good. Um, <laughs> but I think, again, I appreciate about your dance is that you're, you're not, I, I don't see you trying to do the athleticism that these other followers or leaders are doing. Um, you're still delivering your classic great dancing. Um, and I'm just wondering, because I feel like they're myself included, um, and Deborah and I have talked about this, that like, I'm not athletic. And I want to feel like I can put out my dancing, um, you know, swing dancing, um, my best and not feel like I have to do the athletic stuff. Um, I feel like you've been successful at doing that. And I'm wondering what, what has helped you to sort of get out there. And you've noticed that the other followers are athletic, but you're still putting out your dance and living by your values. And I'm wondering what's helped you sort of get out there and not feel the pressure to do what these other women are doing. Oh, um, well, <laughs> tough questions. <laughs> well, yeah. Would you like a moment? <laughs> it's, well, it's just, <laughs> um, gosh, I don't even know how to answer that. I mean, I love that you think my, my look is classic and timeless. And I don't know, maybe, maybe hopefully swing will come back around to where most people will be doing what I am doing right now. Um, I. <laughs> Deborah's praying. I'm praying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think a lot of people feel the pressure to follow the trend, right? If they want to yeah. win and the, the trend is being more athletic or less swing, then that's where they go. And I feel like you and Deborah, I feel like you both have managed to stay true to who you are and your values. And I know you mentioned Brandy, right? Brandy's another one who's like, I'm she always going to be on the floor. Yeah. And I think there are people who either struggle with that or struggle and lose the fight, <laughs> right? They give in. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it is if, if I do what all the other girls are doing, then I start looking like them. Right. And then, then from the judge's perspective, if everybody looks the same, how are you going to give first place? Mm. You know, there's gotta be some very, there's gotta be uh different, choices and different um variety of swings because if we all look the same then then that's that'd be kind of boring you know then it's like so ballroom yeah (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) right right it's it's ballroom yeah um looking like a cookie cutter dancer right so and you know i i then I guess I'd like to keep my, my style, my isms, whatever it is that I do, my speed. I'd like to keep that. I, um, you know, ta- you have kept that. Yes. Yes. Oh, but that's you not are without still, trying. You're not still without... fast, fast as lightning, <laughs> still fast as lightning in your spins. And dizzier as ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're talking about fast that as is lightning. True. 
and dizzy as ever. Um, what was it like to perform Fever again at the Open? Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. I know um, it's like for me to watch it because I, w- I was there when you did it the first time. In, was it 97 or 96? 97. I was there for that, and then I was there for this. And it was magical both times. Wow. Um, the oh, okay, so we were backstage while we were being introduced and just laughing and enjoying the introduction. And then when all the lights went out, we stepped out onto the top of the steps. It was pitch black, I remember. And when the lights came up, I saw people on their feet and I literally, my arm was already interlocked with Robert's and I literally like grabbed him tighter (laughs) and it was shock. It was an overwhelming feel of love. love. And then. Are you getting emotional? uh, Yes. And then, um, I started to get tears in my eyes mm-hmm. and then I looked at Robert and he was just grinning from ear to ear. And I thought, okay, you got to get your stuff together. You, you've got to still perform. You, you, you can't cry right now. So you've got to perform. Um, and yes, there were nerves, definite nerves, but I felt like I was this kid in a candy shop and I couldn't get the grin from ear to ear off my face. I didn't want to. I, it felt absolutely amazing. And I wish I could do a better job of describing it, but there's, I it was very overwhelming and just <clears throat> the feeling in my heart. I, I can't explain how that felt truly. Do you, can I, would you say that it's similar, equal, or better it than the better. first time? Than it the first better. time, really? Yeah, it was better. That's un- incredible because, you know, you you'll once in a lifetime you have that one performance that's even though you've had in in our, everyone's careers they've had many performances that are great, but there's always one that sticks out that's the most iconic and feels the best. And I would say that Fever was that for you guys, even though you know you had many fabulous moments in your career, but I think Fever was just that pinnacle moment. So you're saying that fever at the open this year was even more. It might not have been as clean as it was in 97. I don't and, care about what it looked yeah. like. I care about what you felt. Right. Like. But the feel was, was, was better. It wow. It really was. Even though I had that, <laughs> and I explained it at the open, I, I was the only oddball who ever had an out-of-body experience during a routine. <laughs> 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 oh, man. But yeah, this was just. Because of the history and how, and the months leading up to this in Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving weekend, when people started finding out about us doing fever, people mm-hmm. coming up to us at events saying, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see it. Even to two weeks prior, we were at DCSX and I had a rough go at it Saturday morning during rehearsals. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was crying, like just an emotional basket case and crying. And every time somebody that day came up to me and said, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see Fever at the US Open. I would start to 
cry. <laughs> I was a mess that weekend. But better that I got it out then than wait till the open. But I just feel like there was so much pressure because everybody was so looking forward to this that I didn't want to let people down and botch it up. And I, I felt like it had to be perfect. And I wanted it to be exactly how it was 21 years ago. And I knew that's not going to happen because my body's different. 21 years ago, I didn't have herniated discs and bulging discs in my neck. Didn't have, you know, back issues and locked up hips and everything. So yes, it was going to be different, but that was my own mental, emotional thing that I had to get over that I know a lot of people didn't care about that. They just were watching it or or loved it. Yeah. They were on their feet before you, right before you hit that ending pose, because everyone knows when that ending pose is coming (laughs) and everybody you know, jump to their feet. Everyone was excited to watch you dance. You have to recognize that you're someone very important to the dance community and, and no one expects you to be the person that you were before. Everyone expects you to be the person that you are now. They're just happy to see you. And and I, I got that. I, I I did. I I it like I said, I that whole feeling was just unbelievably amazing it just it made me feel very very special very welcome like it was kind of like a welcome home type thing almost if that makes any sense you felt validated absolutely absolutely you should you should have known that you've been validated for quite some time from so many people the swing community loves you Lorraine. thank you yeah you're part of the dna (laughs) <laughs> so looking back on your career you know having risen to to the top very early on and then sort of stepping back a bit slipping into judging now you're back and competing um what are your thoughts what are, what have you learned and you know like if you could impart advice to other people having been through your journey and said here's what i've learned that i want to pass on to you what would it be Never give up. You keep at it. If this is something that you absolutely love, keep doing it no matter what. I know that there's a lot of us who compete, have injuries. We compete with injuries. You know, take care of yourself. You work through those injuries, go get help, but yet still keep doing what you're doing because this is something that's been ingrained in me since 1989 Mm -hmm. when I first learned. And I've walked away from it a couple of times and have always come back. That's where I have my deep-rooted friendships with longtime friends. Um, and like, family. it's, yes, it's family. It's like I said, it's, it's, it's like a welcome home, welcome back, welcome home. Mm-hmm. And to see your family on the dance weekends, you know, I've always said, why can't we just get together? Why do we have to work? <laughs> I know. We should know. just go out and just do this mm-hmm. and just hang out and just have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, if it weren't for these dance events, we wouldn't have our family. We wouldn't get to see our family. We wouldn't be able to do this stuff, the swing that we love so much and, and, and hopefully pass it on down. I know I don't have kids, but hopefully pass it down to the next generation. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that people who have been in it since before me or who are my current peers have their children right. and their children 
are starting to get involved or have been involved. It's, I, I hope it does get passed down from generation to generation. Is this oh. is, it's a great I, community. I think it will get passed down to generation to generation for people who are in this community and end up having children. It's just a natural progression. It just happens. Yeah. Some, so, and it's not that, uh, you know, some kids don't end up doing it, not because they weren't um, exposed to it by their parents, but they just weren't interested in it. That's all. But right. all the, I feel like all parents that are involved in West Coast Swing first try to bring their kids into it. Right. If they like it, great. And if they don't, okay, that's fine too. But that's none of them, fine. yeah. Um, yeah. This one, huge, he's yes, just going to, he, he won't know how to do West Coast Swing. Oh, give mommy kisses. <laughs> Everyone's you. got dogs, Eric. What do we do? I feel like we should get a dog now every time. You can. We do an interview. We should just have a dog present. You, you can do that. Yeah, no, no thank you. I'm, I'm good. I'm a cat. Oh my God, he's being, he's being so loving. Hi, Hi. Blue. So, Lorraine, you know, now you've been, you've, you've come back to us, thank God. Come back, come back to the family because you left us, Flat Weaver. Um, and and obviously the dance, you know, has changed a little bit, right? What, what what would you like to see our dance? What would you like to see for our dance in the future? What like what changes would you like to see? What things would you like to bring back to our dance? What would you want for our of, for our family? Love to see a little bit of old school come back. You know, okay, explain old school like, because I I get annoyed when people say old school. Wonderful footwork, like Marianne Nunez footwork. Okay, that's good. Because when people say I'm, I'm old school, no, I'm not. I'm a dancer. I can dance both. What What does that mean? Okay, so more footwork. Okay. More footwork, like Marianne Nunez. Some beautiful leg action, like Charlotte. Great performance presentation, like Don Garrett. You know, all those things that who the people I looked up to, and you know. Maybe some girls out there want speed, like how I have speed and, you know, just. I think what? we have girls out there that do what you're mentioning. We just don't have enough of them. Enough. Correct. I don't think there's enough because a lot of the people, they love the other stuff, the lyrical stuff that I, maybe they just connect better with it. Maybe we just don't have enough of those other girls who like what I'm doing, who love what you're doing and or brandy, you know, so yes. we just need to go find those girls, drag them in or, here. Or we need to be out there more because I'm out there. I can't be the only one out there. If we're all out there dancing our dance, then we show people what we do and then they go, Oh, I want to do that too. Right. So if you were somebody who has judged at the open and, Deborah and I just talked about the open on our last episode, and one of the things that we talked about at length, because it comes up every year, <laughs> is swing content. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was the response we had too. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. But I'm curious what you what your feelings are um, about that aspect of the dance, um, where it's going, and and how it's being judged. There's. When you have in classic, you've got 80% that you have to do swing. And then in rising star, you've got 70% swing. And in showcase, you have 60%. So when you're only given that much, 
that means you've got 20% of other things that you are allowed to do. Um, and I've said, I've talked about this with a couple of people, but I don't know if it would be well accepted that I'm thinking maybe we need to put a cap back on showcase as far as the lifts are concerned. Like right now it's open ended. It used to be a max of five lifts and you couldn't do any more than that. Then they yeah, that was, it up. that was yeah. my complaints when that rule came out. Cause you know, I'm a showcase dancer yep. and when they, and when they decided to do unlimited amount of lifts, I was like, well then we could have a couple that just goes from lift to lift to lift to lift to lift with no swing in it at all. Right. It just makes no sense. Yeah. So maybe we need to put a cap back on showcase. And then with regard to classic with your nor not allowed to have more than five weight supported movements, maybe we need to limit that to possibly three. And then someone mentioned, well, if you're on your knees, that's not a weight supported movement. And I'm like, ah, there's just so many other factors involved, but you also have to look at what is like, how much percentage of tricks are you doing? You know, you've got to implement that in there. So if you're doing 40% worth of tricks and that means that's only 60% left, 60% left of swing in classic, well, then you're, you're not meeting the standard of swing. So I would love it if, if somebody would come out and do a classic routine and just not like don't even do any tricks like weight supported movements or something like that and just, just be classic be classic do <laughs> hence the title do your, do your stretch do your compression do your your leading and your following and your oh my god heaven forbid do some triple steps <laughs> you know and i i love triple steps i i, I hate to say I, no i'm not going to say i hate to say it but i'll say it i'm a girl who loves triple steps in her swing mm -hmm. um I'm not saying that you have to, everybody has to do that. Everybody has to have their form of interpreting the song that they pick. But a lot of that sometimes boils down to your song. Does your song swing? Just because you can do West Coast swing to certain type of songs, that doesn't, doesn't mean necessarily mean that I would dance a West Coast swing to that. Uh, Deborah, you can attest to this back in the day where Love Potion number nine came out, the re <laughs> remake of Love Potion mm -hmm. number nine. We would be forced to dance to that song in a mm -hmm. final, in a Jack mm -hmm. and Jill final. So mm -hmm. you have to do it because that's the song that they pick. However, mm -hmm. in these routine divisions, you're picking your own song. So it's just a matter of how it's being interpreted between from the competitor to the nine or seven people that are judging. So just because somebody thinks this XYZ is a great song and could dance West Coast Swing to it, I would probably choose not to dance to that song, a West Coast Swing. So it comes down to, I guess, as to your interpret individual's interpretation. And that's kind of why you it have also comes seven down to the nine people on the judging panel rather than just one person. Right, because it also comes down to those seven and nine people's interpretation. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I know you were a judge at the Open Lorene, but some of those judges had no idea what they were looking at. Honestly. Okay. They, they they violated couples that shouldn't have been violated. They gave warnings to couples that shouldn't have. I mean, it was just, it was all, and then and then there was some that just didn't get any, which is, the, that's the school I'm from. I'm from the school of 
since we don't have a real understanding or definition of what swing is and we're not, you know, not all of us are on the same page, then either we violate everybody or we violate nobody. Yeah. And at the point, if you're going to say, if you're going to not violate, if you're going to say, okay, so I felt all of these dancers didn't have swing content. So what's the point in violating them or warn? So you're just going to throw that out the window and then just score them. Correct. Based off well, other other things. Well, and also because throughout the whole year they go they go a whole year without even being violated or warned or you know nothing, and then they come to the open and now it's everywhere. But also, there's yeah. no there's no repercussions for it, really. Right. Right. So you can have violations from every judge and still make finals and or place. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was happened at the open. Right. Um, well, and since we're talking about it, Phil Doral just this morning posted yep. um, a thank you on Facebook about the Open, but also posted that there are changes underway for 2019, um, one of which is that scrutineer judges will be hired to judge swing content. Okay. Again, I feel like if there's no repercussions for that, I don't know why it will make a difference, but I'm curious what you think of that. And the other that he announced is a new Opus division called Swing Fusion, which will require only 30% swing. Oh, okay. So this is news to me. Mm-hmm. We just, just posted it today. Swing Fusion requiring only 30% swing. swing. <laughs> I, I don't, under, I, I don't it's understand a, it's, that. It's to alleviate <laughs> the whole it's to alleviate the whole swing violation, swing warning problem. It's to make it that, you, you know, to make that a place for people to go. Okay. If they're concerned about so, meeting the requirements. So now we have to right. now we have to judge based off. Okay, so they have to have thirty percent swing content. No, now you just don't even worry about the swing. You yeah. just judge. I mean. Okay. I don't. I don't know. I had hmm, interesting. Yeah. That's, well, well, here's <laughs> what's interesting to me. And, they, 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 they're going to get scrutineer judges. Who who are these judges going to be? Well, my other my other thought on that was so that's only scrutineer judging is only happening at the open, but it's not happening at the other NASDAQ events right. on the circuit. Right. I feel like it should happen at the other NASDAQ events since this is a U.S. Open is the end the of pinnacle the of the NASDAQ event, right? It's the end of your season, so I feel like that should be consistent throughout all the NASDAQ events. Just proved my point. That's why I, I didn't violate anybody last year when I judged classic mm-hmm. because they didn't throughout the whole year. They never get called on it. So why am I going to penalize them now at the open at the end of the season? Doesn't seem right, does it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I honestly, think... honestly, it's my, it's my prerogative as a judge to decide whether I want to violate someone or warn someone. It's my prerogative. You shouldn't have to be told by a, you know, a judge saying you need to violate or warn. And no, it's my opinion. Wouldn't you agree, Eric? Yes. Um, Brandy had the thought, though, when we talked with her about judging, that she thinks that that there should be. I hope I'm saying this correctly, but my understanding was she was saying that judges should not be responsible for watching screen content. That's fine too. It kind so, of goes to my that point. There should as well. be a separate like referee, yeah. which is kind of what's happening okay. here. Right. Right. So judges so judge then, on the routine and then there's somebody else saying you violated the rules. So then 
whoever this, like Deborah was saying, whoever's going to be the scrutineer, we need to make sure that they, know they have the same understanding as me as a judge and Deborah as a judge and anybody else who's judging has that same understanding of swing content. Mm-hmm. And that, that therein lies some That's issues because a lot of us think, have different ideas of what swing content is, right? Where not everybody's going to agree upon the same thing. There are some factors. Yes, there are some factors that we all can agree upon. But that now, I like when you said a referee for swing content, I kind <laughs> of... <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, swing content is redundant. What does that mean? Swing content. Swing. We're swing dancing. <laughs> Really content. Well, I would I would say you could Come distinguish because we talked about this last week that you could distinguish between swing content and swing like movement or aesthetic, right? Because okay. some people are doing swing content in terms of their choreography, like sixes and eights and doubles and triples, but they don't look like swing dancers, right? Right. Which is another thing. But actually, Lorraine, since you mentioned there are like there are certain elements that you identify in swing. What what are they? When you're judging, what do you look for that defines swing content? Well, obviously, you've got lead and follow concepts, right? So you want to look for a lead and follow. And then you also have your elasticity in swing. I mean, we every instructor that I know of teaches elasticity, compression, connection, right? So I think we all can agree upon connection, compression, elasticity. Then there's the basis of a walk, walk, triple, triple, right? You obviously see the inner workings of your, your entrances into whips, and then there's fluff. And then you have got your exits of whips, right? Of any underarm turn, your passes, your sugar put, or your passes, your sugar pushes, and your whips. There's all kinds of forms of that in these routines. It's just a matter of how many is there and how many is not there, right? right? So if there's a lack of a lot of these basics, underlying basics in there, and it's just a lot of step or, um, like you're just stepping and you're oozing into a movement, you come out step, you're oozing into another movement, and you haven't really given me a definitive of a walk, walk, or some kind of a triple step anywhere in there, or your routine looks like a complete run on sentence. Right. right? There's no, okay, there's no stretch. You're just going from one end of the slot to the other, and there's no stretch, there's no compression, no connection. And then it's, then it's just this jumble of choreography just slapped together to a song. Screaming at you! Ah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> I mean, that's why it's I'm judges, dancing, people. And that's why, as judges, you're sitting there, and if you're staring at our faces, we're like, "Huh?" <laughs> we have these awkward looks on our faces. Like, what are we watching? What am I seeing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, the nasty rules do not reflect a lot of the things you just mentioned, and that's it, something that that Deborah and I and this, talked about. Those, those rules have been in there for how many years now? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Don't I know, know they're going to work. They're working on it now. And, Perfect. Um, yeah, no, because, you know, Robert has talked about it. I've talked about it. You know, Carol and Sarah talked about it. Like, we all know what swing is, except we're the ones that are dancing and being judged. We don't need to know. The people that are judging us need to know what it is. And that's why it's important to have a, a definition and a definition that yeah. can be used. Like the definition they have right now is nice in a textbook, it's a history textbook of like, oh, swing has sixes and eights. But it doesn't define 
how to judge yeah, the dance and swing contact. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to have a scrutineer, you need a scrutineer. We need clear criteria so that your concerns about having a scrutineer are alleviated yeah. because we all agree on what they're looking for. Yeah. Right. And, and preferably, hopefully, they, they will choose scrutineers who actually have done the dance. Right. And not like make them go through this like or instructor, you know, something. Testing thing. Like, yeah. You know, here's what you need to look for. Here's the checklist. If you haven't done yeah. it. You don't know it. You shall see. I, yeah. That, oh my that God, I think I'm going to have to have another bottle of wine after this session, too. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we talk about swing content, there's going to be another. It. I could have had a bottle of wine while we were doing this. <laughs> Sorry, we talked about swing yeah. content or degendering. I... I get off the judging. podcast judging, <laughs> and I, I have to have a glass of wine to calm myself down. <laughs> I get all riled up. You know, well, we did we did decide to do this podcast while sharing a drink. Maybe that that's the missing element. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Maybe the next one. Yeah. We'll yeah. Tell everyone, everyone get. We'll start the podcast with okay. Everyone, walk to your fridge. <laughs> get, get a glass of wine. wine. Get out your wine or beer. Go to your freezer. Get your vodka. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And come straight You know, as 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 an instructor and a judge, I still try to keep up on my game as far as judging is concerned. Like getting together, like like I'm going to say, like Robert, getting together with him after some contests and say, okay, what did you feel? What did you think of this routine? And he'll play routines and and give my thoughts, my opinions, and and hear what he has to say in that. So as that aspect, as far as that aspect is concerned, as a judge, I'm still trying to maintain or gain more knowledge. You know, like I said, knowledge knowledge couldn't hurt me, right? Um, So, and I also just, and Robert's got a really good eye. You know, maybe I'm biased, but I don't care. (laughs) He's got a good eye for a lot of things. And to hear his take on things is really good and I would love it if other judges like the judges from the open this past year I would love it if we could all get together for a couple of days and sit down and I know a lot of of us are busy and we just don't have the time or the sometimes not the energy after judging all weekend at the open you're just like your brain is mush if we could possibly get together and say okay let's let's get the scores okay so what were your thoughts on this couple? What were your thoughts on this dance and in this division? And I would, I would love that just to get together and talk about stuff after mm-hmm. the fact of the event. Well, you kind of did at the Congress, just not all of you were there. Not all of us were there. No, right. but I want everybody who judged it would be yes. nice to have you there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Well, Lorraine, uh, it was lovely to have you on our show today. Yeah. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for joining us. Sharing oh, your wisdom, you. your experience. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. And um, yeah, I know I, I mentioned to some people like, hey, we're going to have Lorena. And they're like, really? Like, all excited. <laughs> because I feel like it's funny that you, you know, at the US Open, like you took the mic instead of Robert and you talked. Oh, and I had some people be like, I've never really heard Lorene talk for a long period of time. Right. <laughs> so I, it's I, great I, to I, sit down with you and get to hear I your perspective. I kind of on, didn't I? <laughs> no, it was great. It was beautiful. No, you did a great job. It was great having you, and 
I'm sure in the future we'll have you again for what other reasons we want to talk because we can't just, you know, we all spend a lot of time in this one community. There's, lot, there's lots to be uh, discussed and said and changed and fixed. And so when next time, promise me that we do get to drink some wine while we're doing it. Okay. Sounds, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I love it. It'll be even oh, more honest truth. Uh, right. More, uh, more stories about Robert in the bathroom. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I can't wait for Robert to listen to this now. <laughs> right. <laughs> By the way, where can people get in touch with you? Just Facebook? Should they find you there? Find me on Facebook, or if they want to email me, they can get me get a hold of me at LoreneBaldovi at Yahoo.com or Facebook. I don't do Twitter. I know everyone tells me you have to do I don't do Twitter either. either. I don't either. We have yeah, a Twitter account. Twitter. But yeah, we don't yeah. do I don't do it. I don't but, do the twits. Even Deborah even Deborah's like, you gotta get on Instagram and Robert's you gotta get on Instagram. I'm like, yeah. no, I barely can keep up with Facebook. I don't need it, to do something else. It's I the know. Facebook. Uh, the Facebook. The book of faces. Facebook. The Facebook. Faces. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if yep. listeners want to share their thoughts and reactions with us, you can post a comment on our website and you can email Deborah and me through our site at the Naked Truth WCS. You also can share your thoughts and comments in our Facebook group. We have a Facebook discussion group that's attached to our page. Deborah's like, why not? Yeah, it's been there the whole time. And people can go because I know people are posting online saying, oh, yeah, I talked about it with my friends. Well, you know what? Have your conversation with your friends and then go share your thoughts in the group. And so we can link groups of friends together. You can also reach us through our Facebook page. You can tweet at us. I do check it. We don't have a lot of followers, but I'm on there. And our handle is at Naked Truth WCS. You can also find us on Instagram. We have an Instagram account at the Naked Truth WCS. Of course, you can like us, follow us, and please do share us, um, share our, our posts on Facebook. And you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a number of other podcast hosting platforms. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, and you're on iTunes, please take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes as well. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And that's the Naked Truth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many people would come to a Hanukkah event. <laughs> what would we call it? Dreidel Swing Dance Championships? <laughs> Dreidel, yeah. Dreidel. Dreidel, Swedel. Neskadol, Haya, Swing. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the Dreidel. It means a great miracle happened there. Oh my God. I'm so oh my God. It'd be Maccabee Swing. What are we talking yeah. about? <laughs> That's it. Oh Next God. year. The problem is you got to keep moving it around because it's, know, it's a different weekend. It's like Easter. Maccabee Swing coming to you 2019. Oh my god. We'll have lo- late night latkes. Late night latkes. Who doesn't want Great. fried potato late at night? That's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was thinking we could do instead of all American, instead of doing like the, the, um, swing 16, it would be like the eight because of the eight. Right. right? Candles. And then you just whittle it down. Yeah. The menorah eight. <laughs> and then the person running it would be the shamash. It'd be perfect. <laughs> this is all coming together. <laughs> Oh my god, this is Instead a of fantastic the milk and cookies, skit. it'll be Manischewitz and Lakas. It'll be great. <laughs> that should be the Christmas story next year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
<laughs> to tell the the rededication of Swing instead of the rededication of the temple. Oh, it's right. together. Every year we'll rededicate Swing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>